I just want to jump in really quickly to ask a very important favour. We know that most of you who listen to No Bullshit Leadership haven't yet hit the subscribe or follow button on your favourite podcast player. This is how the podcast grows. And even though we've already got a pretty decent global following, we're only scratching the surface of what's possible. We started this podcast over five years ago with the lofty ambition of improving the quality of leaders globally. So if you've got any benefit at all from listening to the podcast, I'd ask you to just take a moment, literally a moment, to hit the subscribe or follow button on your favourite player. The world needs more no-bullshit leaders, and you can help us to make that happen. Back to the episode. Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership, or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more, access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey there, and welcome to episode 94 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, live mentoring session number three, single point accountability. Continuing with our series of live mentoring sessions, this week's episode covers two critical techniques for achieving execution excellence, especially when your people aren't all in the same place at the same time. Lena Broughton is an Australian fashion designer and entrepreneur who, with a business partner, Fleur Richardson, have brought the Lena Broughton label to market. This is a fashion house with a difference. Manufacturing locally and distributing digitally, Lena Broughton focuses on the sustainability of its clothing range while releasing new products every week. It's built a close connection with its loyal customer base through social media and online channels, 
and after six years of operation, it's now a well-established business. This mentoring session with Lena and Fleur went for over an hour, so we've cut it down by taking the two topics that we think are the most relevant to our current circumstances. I'm sure you'll find them highly applicable regardless of your industry, the size of your business, or your position in the organisation's hierarchy. First, we take a look at our discussion on how to make accountabilities crystal clear for your people to ensure that gaps and overlaps don't develop. Second, we talk about how to communicate with your people in times of uncertainty so that they aren't entirely consumed by their own fear and apprehension. For context, this session was recorded on the 15th of April 2020 when the world's initial reaction to the coronavirus pandemic had taken root. Australia's borders had been closed for almost a month. So let's get into it. Over to you, Lena and Fleur. I guess the, the really key part about, I think, that has been the true success of our business is our partnership. We, Fleur and I, look after very different parts of the business, but yet we work so beautifully together that I think that's ended up being the real power of what we do. And I guess our unique selling proposition is the fact that we uh, release new product every week. We actually didn't know each other at all, and it was through a mutual um, connection that our paths crossed. And it was um, while I was taking a good sea change down here on the Gold Coast and I needed to sort of somehow get back into the realities of working again, um, that I sort of went in touch base with Lena and we were working together on a consulting level. And it became really apparent very quickly um, that there was an automatic connection um, on so many levels. Like, I think when you think of people in creative roles, you just automatically box them in as being very sort of frou-frou. Lena has a very broad <laughs> exposure to all aspects of business, and obviously since she'd been running a business for several years on her own, um, had a real clear grasp and a real clear vision of what she wanted to achieve. And I'm someone who's really drawn to dynamic people as well. And um, we hit the ground running and we've got such complementary skill set. But we can cross over into each other's fields as well and have a strong opinion as well. But we also own our own individual areas as well. So I think we champion each other's um, accountability through that too, which means, you know, you're confidently going forward with your decision knowing you've got each other's back. Right. We've been in partnership Although, now, sorry, we've been in partnership now for coming up six years, is it now? Oh, well, it might even be coming up seven. So, and um, as far as our roles are concerned, so I'm creative director and also chief marketing officer. So I'm sort of looking after the, the digital and the creative side. And then Fleur is operations and finances and looking after all of that side of the business. So we have very clearly defined lanes. And I think we've always been able to, even though we didn't even know each other at the beginning, we've worked with a with a method of trust um, which has been earned of course as well uh, but where we go into it where we're both able to come back together in a leadership capacity together but we very much run our own lanes as well okay so that's awesome right and i'm i'm really loving where this conversation is going already this is awesome because the two of you in your heads and when you work together have very clearly defined roles although you 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 don't work in silos so you do talk to each other about what you do how does that work for the people that Lena Broughton employs in terms of their clarity around who's making which decisions? Because that's an accountability issue, right? This is, this is yeah. when you get paid it's, the big it's bucks, not, right? Lena, it's not, it's not meant to be a touche, but it's, it's one thing that the two of you have your shit together. And then when you yeah. think about what it means to all the people who work for you, because you've got a workforce, you've got to keep on point, understanding who's cooking the chook and moving forward from there. 
think quite recently we reworked our org structure because at um, at some point as well, we thought that it would make more sense for Fleur to be the CEO. And we sort of worked out that title and we thought, well, that then we've got a single point who can actually make all the bigger decisions. But what we actually realized that in reality, that didn't work that way. So we've reworked our org structure, but there is definitely crossover. Like we have crossover within specific departments because say as an example, customer care, although it's kind of um, comes under Fleur from an operational point of view, because they're front facing and you know we're a digital company, it means that they're also coming under my umbrella. So I think there's also that that is where there becomes a little bit of confusion and um, cross conversations about who to go to for a direct answer or yes or no from us as leaders so that is definitely where we are coming into coming unstuck a little bit as far as our management team in particular knowing who has final you know kind of sign off and who can um like who they come to for exact things right so you guys you've both been through leadership beyond the theory right so you you would have uh, i'm sure very intently studied the lesson on um uh accountability and matrix organizations and how you need to have multiple yep. inputs from the side to get something mm -hmm. done, but you still need yep. a clear accountability line. So how would you resolve? I mean, you've got plenty of choice about how to resolve that. What's the, what's the number one thing you've done so far to try and give clarity to those people? I feel, oh, I feel like to be, oh, sorry, you go for it. See, no, see, look, you, the, the accountabilities are so confused. <laughs> can't even work out which one's going to answer the question. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, for, for like one of the key things that I think that we did straight after it, and I have to say like the course was absolutely invaluable, amazing universe timing that we did the course um, with everything that's been happening in particular. But I think the first thing for me with accountability for my direct reports was actually having them having the conversation with them about we're going to need to shift things in order so that we all understand who is accountable for things. Because we were doing that typical thing of having all of these meetings where there was all this input, but yet we'd walk away and there wasn't a single accountability um, yeah. sort of structure there. So I feel like we've we opened the conversation and then all the isolation and physical social distancing and everything has come mm -hmm. in that we hadn't actually implemented the actual single accountability. We just opened the conversation okay. rather than implementing. Okay, but you sort of it sounds like you have a, a, a vision and a plan for how you might do that. Are there any complexities around that, that you're sort of working through or does it or does it or is it just a matter now of executing that plan? I think we were getting some really clear sort of um, platforms for communication and then involving the right people in the, in the discussions and so forth. And then the remote operations sort of, you know, blew that up a little bit. Right. And then it should, and think and sort of trying to establish a uh, time frame and reporting structure to, to actually gather the value and come back and take action and then come back and look at the outcomes that were achieved and therefore it's sort of become a bit fragmented um i'm probably using the excuse of us being remote but we just sort mm -hmm. of feel like by osmosis you're there hearing things in the day-to-day -day operations with where we are working from and i'm not saying that that's the right way but i think in a transition to being not micromanaging as well you still you still need to allow the autonomy but it's not going to be right straight away and part of that will be yeah. from what we contribute to it as well that's that's spot on, Fleur. 
I was just thinking that when we were doing some work with an HR consultant and she actually had us starting work on one of the racy um, uh, kind of spreadsheets. And at the time, we didn't really understand the context of the racy. Like it was kind of like, how, what, what is this? It was just all of these letters on a spreadsheet. Yeah. And we did the spreadsheet as far as people's roles. But I think now we could almost go back to that, that spreadsheet that we've got of people's roles and start filling in the racy as well, just even for us to become clearer about who is accountable for specific kind of areas so that when we go back in that situation, we can be a bit more clear about who is accountable for what. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I think a racy is ideal, um, but it's quite comprehensive. And so I, yeah. just, I just balance that off against your speed of delivery. Uh, okay. So, for example, you might you might want to get something really quickly. So, the only the only uh, letter of the racy acronym that counts at the moment is the A. A. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get, yeah. Get, get and that's the what right. I always came back to every time I would <laughs> try and do it. Yeah, it's we're like, like, why am I doing the? Everyone's other accountable. Yeah. Everyone's accountable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Accountable. Yeah. So, so here's the person I'm here's the person I'm going to hold accountable. One head to pat, one ass to kick, and other people will do some <laughs> shit around that. Right. That's what racy yeah. is. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Love right. it. That's good. <laughs> but if you but if you get that locked down, that's really good, right? And and you should have, I'm sure, clarity in those roles below you that you can actually mm. assign those accountabilities to quite readily. Um, if we get back to where we started, so yeah. <laughs> how do how do these people know which of you they're taking direction from? Um, give yourselves for every one of those um, key things that you have on the on the races. So any of those core functions, make sure that there is one name next to it. It's it's. Yeah either Lena or Fleur, it's never both. Okay. Uh, and, and make sure there's one there. And you two will need to talk to each other and there will need to be, as you said, in customer service, for example, there will need to be lots of consult consultation with you, Lena, even though Fleur may be accountable for that function and those decisions. Yeah. That's entirely compatible with an accountability model. So you've got to okay. you know who the decision maker is, but Lena, you're the C. You have to be consulted on these things because you have, um, specialist expert input that's required to do this job properly. Okay. All right. That makes sense. It was great to see Lena and Fleur really trying to establish that single point accountability. In execution, this is everything. They'll still have their work cut out, no doubt, especially as the drive to tighten their accountability culture was disrupted before it could be fully implemented. Now, we're going to talk about how to communicate to your people with confidence when you aren't really sure how much or how little information you should give them. This is one we all face from time to time, so I'm sure you'll enjoy hearing Lena and Fleur's perspective on it. Oh, I was just going to say, so I think that for me, one of the hardest thing is, you know, take even away the homeschooling element, but just the uncertainty of the whole situation. So I think for me and Fleur, we are such street fighters that we will, regardless of what happens, we will come out the other side with a strong business. We have zero doubt in our head that that will be the case. It may not be the same as what we had before. No doubt it will be completely different, but we're actually expecting that we will be stronger than we ever were on the other side of this. But as far as motivating the team to have that same vision, because, you know, on the one side, you've got, you, you're trying to lift their spirits and create certainty when it's not there, but also at the same time, try and make them accountable, you know, because while you're yes. still kind of going, but we still need to have this done, perhaps this wasn't done to the standard that I would have expected. And, and how do you do that at the same time as trying to maintain that super positive, proactive, we've got this kind of attitude? 
Yeah, and that's uh, that's a just such a good question, Lena. There's a couple of things that sit behind that. The first thing is that you're not going to be able to motivate people by saying, "Don't worry, it'll be fine." Like people mm-hmm. are petrified; they're frozen. Mm-hmm. So let me just step back and give you a couple of a uh, couple of ideas for how you might solve this one. As I said, saying to people, "Don't worry, it'll be okay," is not enough. However, as you said, you're going to come through this. Your business is going to come through. You're confident. You know what you're going to do and you have a plan. And so in that communication um, uh, dialogue that you have with your people, it's really important to let them see what that plan is. Mm. Now, you, you, don't yeah. quite have, you don't quite have the benefit of a, a very, very public brand like uh, Virgin Australia that's in the media every single day because <laughs> of the trials and tribulations, their negotiations with government. Um, you know, how much debt they've got on their books, all that stuff is so public. And their people pick up the paper every day and look at that, uh, which is good and bad. Uh, but they, they feel as though they're being informed because there's so much uh, brand awareness in the media. You don't have that. And for you two to be extraordinarily confident about coming through the other side is one thing, but how about your people? Why would they believe that that's the case when yeah. they read all the doom and gloom and they turn so- on the morning show and you know, all that so with it, I guess on that on that transparency level, most of our staff, because of how we operate within the online space, they actually do have access to as far as how we are tracking, as far as you know, the digital team is very much accountable for the for the traffic, the conversions, the you know, the revenue. So we're very transparent in that aspect. But I guess you know, when we're looking at the whole business and how that feeds into production, who who don't have that transparency as far as seeing what the figures are and everything as well. How do you, what about that fine line though of, you know, how much would we normally share with them as far as like with our strategy and stuff for, because the, the conversations that we're having about, you know, uh, what we have as far as in the bank, how long we can last for all that sort of stuff. How, how do you navigate what that line of transparency is? Yeah, it, it's a judgment call. So you're a private company, privately owned. You um, wouldn't have any visibility of those numbers for your staff normally. And it's a real judgment call as to how much you give people. So, for example, I don't know if you ever read that book uh, from uh, the Brazilian CEO, Ricardo Semler, called Maverick. Did you ever read that? It's an oldie. No. Oldie, but oldie. Basically, um, turned over the operations of this factory to his people and said, you decide how much to pay yourselves. You decide, you know, I'm going to give you complete visibility of the numbers so you can see what's going on. And then you need to make decisions to make this profitable because at the end of the day, we want to stay in business. We want to be competitive. And we need to make money so that you all have jobs, but you've got to work out how to actually apportion the money. Now, that was a little bit brave, and I'm not sure that I'd believe I'd go that far if I were you. Um, But still, here's a couple of things that you could do, for example. So everyone's getting paid at the moment, right? Have you had any layoffs? Yeah, we have. We have, and it was mainly the production staff because of the. We just actually employed some new team members. So we had a few layoffs of casual. and our ops manager, and uh, then we sort of reduced ours because we put a halt on our end production beyond June um, at right. that stage. Yeah. So we knew we right, could, okay. could see straight away the workload that we could manage with the numbers coming through of production. Okay, excellent. And how did you communicate that to the rest of the workforce that remained inside the company? Um, we initially had our direct um, executive uh, managers meeting to communicate that just to sort of say we we're probably going to go automatically to reduced hours just to sort of handle the immediate contraction um, and that we would want to then feed through to, and I think we actually did a group, do we do independent yeah. department? 
Yeah, we did. We did like, both. We did. We did groups, and then we did individuals, and then we okay, did great. smaller silos as well. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So you've communicated well at different levels with the yeah. messaging that's pertinent to those people. Okay, that's fantastic. Do you? We foresee... did. We did with that though. We did. We did make the decision. Like we didn't. Even, although we've got um, management team, it wasn't an open discussion. Uh, Fleur and I decided to make the decision about what was happening there as oh. far as reduction today's and all that sort of thing. We didn't feel that that was something that needed to be uh, oh, a group. No. Yeah, right. Okay. Absolutely. Spot on. Spot on. It's not, you know, it's not a democracy. You're not, you're not looking for people to all pitch in and tell you what you should do with your business. It's your capital at risk. One thing about communication, it's great to communicate with your people, but you've got to assume that anything you communicate broadly to your staff yes. is going to end up on the front page of the Courier Mail, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's one of those, it's just one of those things where if you make that assumption uh, at the beginning, you don't get disappointed because there's nothing out there that you would hate to see fall into the wrong hands. So, so that's okay. So given that you've got that, the big thing about this is stitching together a story. So you can give them, uh, you know, snippets of what's going on. Here's what the minimum net sales are that we need. Here's what our cash flow looks like. Here's the da da da. But it's better putting it into a story. So I'd, I'd craft it like this. Number one, coronavirus has hit us all. Our business, like every other business, even though we're very, very fortunate, that our distribution happens predominantly through online channels so that we don't have the same overheads that we normally would in terms of bricks and mortar stores that we have to, uh, uh, that we have to service that would push us into a much worse position. So point number one, we're lucky. Yeah. Point number two, the business is well managed. And because the business is well managed, we have the opportunity to ride through this. Point number three, if we're going to do that, here's what it's going to take. And yep. here's what we need from you. But we can tell you that we've planned that up until this point in time, and you can pick the date, whatever that is, up until this point in time, the measures that we've already taken, they're sufficient for us. And that sufficiency says that you don't have to worry until this date. Mm. But let's come back to the previous point, which is, guess what? If this is all going to work, you guys have to do your bit. And here's what your yeah. bit looks like in the current environment. And then it comes down to actually getting the metrics that are the right me metrics for each of those people. So they know what's expected of them really clearly. And that's, that's probably the trickiest bit because um, I'm sure you probably haven't seen the full impact of the trends on sales and so forth yet. You, you'll have an idea and you've probably got your floor level calculated out. Okay. Um, yeah. But that's, that's the, that's the piece that's probably hard because then you have to think individually about people, not your job necessarily, because you do have leaders underneath you who are closer to the action, who should be able to plan that out for you. Uh, but certainly getting them and the people who are individually working in different locations now in a very fragmented workforce to understand what they need to deliver to make your plan work. I think also as well, like we, we were working with- I haven't given you the icing on the cake yet, Lena. Just give you the icing on the cake. And because, depending on who's talking, because Fleur and I, or because Lena and I have, have got such confidence in our business model and how we run this place, here are the opportunities that we see emerging during this crisis that we're going to try and capture. We're not just, we're not just hunkering down and you know, hoping it'll all go away. We're actually proactively out there looking for the opportunities in the market that we can take advantage of. And you guys will remember this from the, uh, you know, finding competitive advantage in ambiguity. All your competitors yeah. are going through the same thing. How do you actually respond better, harder, faster, and, and more intelligently 
than your competitors. And so your ability to think through that, I think you alluded to that earlier, Fleur, in terms of some of the things that you're looking at might open up a little bit for you, because that's the icing on the cake. Not only, not only shouldn't you be worried about your jobs because we've run this company really well, but we're finding ways to come out of this even stronger, as you said early on. Yeah, that's great. I really hope you got a lot out of that session. Now, the key points to take away just to recap are, when it comes to accountability, you need one head to pat and one ass to kick. Making it clear to your people who makes decisions in any given project or work area is critical in maintaining your organisation's momentum. When deciding how much information to communicate to your people, it's best to err on the side of more rather than less. The asset test should be, what am I not happy to have on the front page of the newspaper? Because everything else pretty much is okay. And when you communicate, it's not just providing information that counts, it's about telling a story. All right, so that brings us to the end of episode 94. Please drop us a line and let us know if you're enjoying this change up in format and if you'd like to hear more from some of my live mentoring sessions. Thanks again for joining us. And remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So please take a few moments to rate and review the podcast or share it with the people in your network. I look forward to next week's episode, The Joys of Outsourcing. Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no-bullshit leader.